welcome, welcome to this ninth and final podcast of the season. If you are listening on Anchor or on Spotify and you don't yet have access to the blog, you can find me at thefemalesex.blogspot.com and you can access that blog by invitation only. You just have to leave me an email at thefemalesex at gmail.com with add me to the reading list in the subject line and I will send you an invite. I'm going to start sending the blog posts or any new posts out by email. I'm not sure if it's going out like that, if it's an automatic thing with Blogger. So I'm going to have to try to do that every time I do post a new blog, which I will be doing um, in relation to this podcast. Um, I will be sending it out by email. So check your emails and also check your junk folders. You never know, it might have landed in there. You can find me on Instagram at the TT James. That's T H E T T J A M E S, and you can also find me around the internet at the Female Sex. And of course, uh, I'll be returning to YouTube in the fall on the Female Sex channel, and that is YouTube.com/slash the Female Sex Blogs. All right, so there's a lot to cover in this one. I always say that there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. But this one is, um, it, it's literally like everything all in one. The, the subject is new world, new race, and a black woman's role in creating that new race. Now, whether or not we will have any power over it or any control over it is up to us or where we go from here. But it will definitely involve us. Now, I made the mistake of trying to discuss this topic publicly on YouTube, and I was giving access to info that most people were not ready to hear and most definitely could not handle. And so that was my mistake. The video is still there. Uh, why the new race would be mostly mixed is still on YouTube. A lot of what I'm going to discuss in this podcast today, I've already discussed a lot of it on um, previous of. Uh, vlog posts or video posts on YouTube. So you can find it there in the Female Sex Archives, or you can go directly to the Female Sex channel, or of course, to the blog to access those videos. Um, so let's just start, you know, I'm going to start by spilling some ancient cosmic tea here. I'm going to be covering everything from planetary magic, alchemy, creationism and religion, extraterrestrials, even the Anunnaki. And, um, luciferianism satanism secret societies and kingdoms and governments and the entertainment and the prison industrial complexes they're both intertwined they're both connected um schools and marriage and how all of those things were created for one common purpose and i'm gonna have to keep my pencil close by because i just thought of something else that i needed to add uh all of these things were created for one purpose and that purpose was for man to destroy and to replace the black woman or the divine feminine or the black woman is the personification of the divine dark feminine energy so let's begin at the beginning in case you don't understand really what i'm talking about when we talk about divine feminine energy because a lot of people talk about it and i know it's confusing and like i've said many times before i don't like really to talk in terms of energy because I know that a lot of it is repetitive and people are just regurgitating things that have been interpreted and reinterpreted. And, you know, the meanings have changed over time, but the basics are really the basics. So let's begin at the beginning. In the beginning, 
was the dark, of course. And from the dark, which is magnetism, comes the light, which is electricity. And one can't exist without the other, of course. It's why electromagnetism is inextricably linked to um, each other, like electromagnetism. Electro is like a prefix um, to describe the type of magnetism. Like you have different sort of magnetism. And that's how you know that magnetism came before electricity, of course, dark came before light. And you can prove this by looking at those prefixes like electromagnetism, uh, paramagnetism, super paramagnetism, diamagnetism, all these types of magnetism, but we're describing a type of magnetism. So to call it electromagnetism mean you're describing it as a form of magnetism, which means magnetism came first. So the universe itself is melanic and this melanic universe is the only cosmological constant you know when things are swallowed into a black hole for example uh, or our universe is made up mostly of dark matter and dark energy it's mostly dark the only thing in the universe that's constant is dark everything else can be swallowed up everything else can explode in a supernova and just disappear you know stars can burn out but the one thing that always remains the same is that melanic cosmological constant what we know down here as melanin and there's a common misconception that melanin is made up of carbon hydrogen uh, nitrogen oxygen you know i believe that too is the chemical formula of men melanin the um 12 part carbon 10 part hydrogen two part nitrogen four part oxygen combination to make up melanin but melanin is in fact made up of every single element that you could possibly think of i think it's just more abundant in these particular elements these four elements but it's everything every element that exists in our universe is contained in this melanic source in this god energy this dark feminine form now the universe of course is melanic like i said it's dark and she gives birth to all of these light stars these light elements which means that fundamentally the universe is a dark feminine magnetic force you know there's the for me there's no denying that this is not up for debate it is a fact and it is a fact that black women dark women here on earth are the personification of that force. So the first suns, the first S-U-Ns or S-O-Ns, excuse me, that the black woman gave birth to were black men. And these sons were the first to recognize the majesty of black women and her connection to the dark feminine divine. And these black men were also the first to seek to destroy her. And we're going to talk about that uh, in the later segment, in the third segment. I think I'll cut this up in three parts. Now, the first attempt was through planetary magic. So I want to talk a little bit about planetary magic. I know this stuff is, it's really hard to discuss these things like on a surface level, but I'm going to have to do it here because I don't want to get too deep into anything. It's boring if you don't look at it in a practical sense. So I'm just going to look at it 
on a surface level in a very basic practical sense so we can understand how it's applied today what's happening today and where we're going to where we're going to be going in the future as black women all right so all planets which i mentioned before in in an earlier podcast are mostly masculine deities except for venus so uh, when we talk about planets we're really talking about celestial bodies and there were seven celestial bodies uh, when planetary magic was created, Uranus and uh, Neptune and Pluto did not exist. Those are uh, planets that were later discovered by Europeans, I believe, in the 18th and 19th century, maybe the 18th to 20th century, they were discovered. And so I think Pluto even was discovered in the 20th century. So let's say between the 18th to 20th century, we had Uranus and Neptune and Pluto that were discovered and a lot of the mythos that surrounds those planets were pretty much um, created and controlled by European males who wanted to like create a history for themselves. So I, I completely ignore, ignore those planets and the stories behind them altogether because I know kind of why they were generated. And so when we talk about the seven planets or the seven celestial bodies and planetary magic, we're talking about the sun and the moon, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, Mercury, um, and Venus. And of all these planets, Venus is the only female uh, deity, you know, the only female deities associated with this planet Venus. Now, the crescent moon in ancient Sumeria was called Sin. And because it was discovered that um, the crescent moon was aligned with the final cycle in the menstrual cycle, like they realized that the female and the moon moved in sync and Venus as well, because Venus has uh, phases similar to the moon, moon cycle. And so when they discovered that the crescent moon was kind of in sync with the final phase of the menstrual cycle when the woman begins to bleed this sin deity later became negative in in biblical text and so now when you do something bad you're said to have committed a sin which is really associated with the menstrual blood okay and again this goes into why and how these men turned menstruation and menstrual blood into something negative even though every single thing that they do and the reason why they even exist to this day is based on menstrual blood is because they extract the power of menstrual blood what they believe to be a source power now venus was made female because she appeared different from all the rest of the planets she was kind of moved in opposition to the rest of the planets. She waxes and wanes, like I said, in phases similar to the moon. And she's the brightest object in the sky just after the sun and the moon. Even though Mercury is closer to the sun, and we'll talk about Mercury in just a second. Uh, Mercury is closer to the sun, but yet Venus is hotter than Mercury. And because of this, she uh, shines brighter than any other object in the sky. And she's the only planet, I believe she's the only planet that's visible in the daytime. And so it was assumed, and it was assumed correctly, that she's also the hottest of all the planets, even hotter than Mercury. And she didn't orbit um, uh, the sun like all of the other planets orbited the sun in a elliptical motion. A lot of them move in kind of the form of an oval oval let's say but for the um 
for Venus, she moved in almost a perfect circle counterclockwise. She's also the only planet that is not orbited by a satellite. You know, as you know, the moon is our natural satellite. Man makes artificial satellites, of course, but the moon itself is Earth's natural satellite. And the other planets do have moons, several moons for some of them, but Venus does not have a moon. But she moves and adapts like our moon. So this in itself was kind of a mystery. Now, it's hard to describe her orbit, but it's said that uh, Venus's orbit every eight years, I think, it creates something that looks like a pentagram. I'm going to post something on the blog so that you can see what it looks like, but it's like a pentagram-shaped flower, and the movement that she makes in the sky. And, and so this pentagram-shaped image that looks like a flower was also t adapted by Luciferians and um, Satanists as you know is adapted to be their symbol so you'll see the inverted pentagram that represents the venus's orbit so these people either worship venus they idolize her or they envy her and they're trying to like i said usurp her um you know remove her from the throne destroy her and create something in her image you know as a way of replacing her so this um, Venus is also known to the Romans as Lucifer. She had another name that I can't quite remember. I think I, I can't remember the other name, but it was believed in many in Roman and Greek mythology that Venus was two different planets because she would appear sometimes at night, but also she would appear in the morning. So they thought, okay, this thing is a morning star, but it's also... Uh, visible at night so they believed it to be two different um, stars or two different celestial bodies so they gave it two different names but then it was later realized that Venus was actually one planet she just moved funny and then they decided to stick with the name Lucifer for Venus so when you hear of Lucifer and this morning star in your Bible or in your religious text they're talking about Venus and so this inverted pyramid, we can say that um, it's an homage to Venus or, you know, like I said, they're trying to like uh, destroy the Venus or destroy the image of the female and, and replace it with this image of the inverted pyramid, which most of the time when you're dealing with um, Satanism uh, or Luciferianism, the image of the inverted pentagram will contain a goat's head or the Baphomet head. And we're definitely going to get back to the goat in a minute because we're hearing a lot about the goat um, and especially the G-O-A-T right now in our modern time. And we're gonna talk about what that represents. Now, the symbol for Venus is the same symbol for the female. And the symbol consists of a perfect circle or it's a sphere that is on top of the um, unbalanced cross or the open cube. You know, when you look at a cross, if you fold, you know, when you were younger with your children, you might have done like these little things where you um, 
you create 3D shapes out of paper. And so you would cut out this thing that looks like a cross. And when you fold it and glue it together, it becomes a cube. And so this sphere and the cube is a symbol of of uh, sacred geometry, how the universe was created. And the reason why the female symbol is made up of these two forms is because the female represents the sacred geometry that created the universe. And so she does represent the universal or sacred um, divine feminine universal energy block. And so this is why, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, you'll have the Freemasons will use the square and the compass because it represents this circle or sphere and also it represents the uh, cube. And this is why I don't really wear the um, the Ankh symbol because the Ankh symbol is a perversion of this uh, symbol of this geometry. The Ankh symbol is kind of an oval shaped or like a deformed circle over the cube or the open cube. And this symbol is the representation. I'm going to say the first, maybe, maybe not, but the first in Greco-Egyptian mythos or e- Egyptian mythology, if you don't want, if you want to say, you know, it came before the Greeks invaded. These, this image of the man holding this Ankh is the image of the man holding the power of the feminine, but he's deformed the perfect circle and has made it like the form of an oval, the shape of masculine movement or the movement of the masculine celestial bodies. And so what we're looking at when we look at this image of the Ankh is the image of the male holding onto the female um, power having transformed it into kind of a masculine power. So that is the symbol of patriarchy. And you'll find that across all patriarchal symbols, you'll have this same kind of a man holding a staff, but the staff, it it either has um, snakes on it, or like I said, it's deformed into an oval. It's like the staff has been turned into this masculine symbol that represents a man holding the power of the feminine. As I move on, I I think it'll come a little more clear. But one image or one deity that would hold on to this staff, this another form of a a staff, was the deity known as uh, Mercury. Now, the symbol for Mercury is actually very similar to the symbol for Venus or to the symbol of the female, except for on top of the ring or the circle, you'll have what seems or appears to be either a smaller circle or sometimes it'll appear as um, an oval, like a semi-oval or a semicircle. So the oval it appears larger or wider than the circle itself and or it appears to be a semicircle, but the circle appears smaller. So again, it, this represents, or Mercury represents, the masculine uh, putting himself, or the man putting himself above the female, or the masculine form being placed above the female. So this is also a patriarchal symbol. And um, they appear. it also appears, um, it looks like a horn when, when you look at the symbol itself. And as you know, Mercury is also known in Egyptian mythology as Jehudi, and I believe in the Greek and Roman 
as a Todd or Thoth or Hermes and um, Inki in Sumerian mythology. And this god represents the god of semen, god of fertility, god of creation. Now, everything that the woman was, now this god supposedly represents all that stuff. And like I said, this man is usually depicted uh, holding a staff. And Mercury, the image of Mercury is, in particular, is holding uh, the caduceus. The caduceus is the staff that has the two snakes inter, uh, the two snakes wrapped around it. And this caduceus is is seen in um, in, in the medical or pharmaceutical industry, or even in commerce. They use this star to uh as the sorry not star it's the snake the two snakes um to represent commerce or medicine you know because i think he's also the god of medicine mercury is also the god of thieves <laughs> funny enough because of course he's trying to steal you know feminine energy but this serpent or these two serpents represent the shape of the uh the spiral of the umbilical cord that um tubular portion of the life-giving organ, this organ that transfuses blood and plasma and other nutrients to a fetus, and it can only be produced inside of a womb. So it's like the woman grows an extra organ that a man can never produce. And this organ that we have, a lot of the time, the doctors will just throw this thing away, or they claim to be throwing it away, but I'm 100% sure that they take these things and use them for experiments. So if you do have a baby in the future, you know, I didn't know about these things when I had my son. And so I know, I like, my placenta is somewhere out there being used for experiments or having already been used. But if you're a woman in the future, especially a black woman, and you give birth, you must make... um uh, prepare for taking the placenta home with you, you know, make arrangements to bring this placenta home. Do not sign anything that says they're allowed to throw it away. You need to keep this thing because it holds precious nutrients in it. I've so I've spoken about uh, placentophagy before in the My Sacred Blood channel on YouTube, but um, even though, even if you don't believe in like placental pills, like I don't believe in eating the placenta necessarily, but it does have nutrients that you can bury into the ground and, you know, and use as a natural compost, you know, to, you know, because it has the nitrogen and other nutrients that your plants might need. So I think it's a brilliant way to add it to your garden. But um, anyway, in any event, like the, the tubular or spiral form of the, of the placenta or the umbilical cord that's attached to the placenta is what these, uh, these uh, staffs are, are made, are uh, representing. And maybe even the, the fallopian tubes you know when we look at serpents we can also think of it as representing the fallopian tubes but because of the connection to the blood and the ability of the umbilical cord to bring nutrients and to bring life-giving blood to a fetus to a new life i believe that it's more tied to that image and you know this is why the transgender uh, transgenderism and the transgender people which is a creation of man okay have become 
a protected class. Now, when we talk about transgender people, we're talking about people who were created through pharmacology or through um, plastic surgery. Like it's a pharmaceutical intervention or medical intervention. Okay, uh, to transform the human male into a female or to transform the human fem- female into a male. The funny thing is, is that there, it's very easy to transform the male uh, penis into a vagina. And they do that more often than they would be willing to remove the womb of a female. When a female says she wants to become a man, they don't take out the womb of the female. And I know that by taking out the womb, you can cause all kinds of hormonal disruptions in in the female, and that's probably why they don't do it. But another reason why they don't do it is because they need to also be able to uh, protect this idea that men can also give birth or men can also have periods. Because when the women trans how do you say it when they trans uh, i don't even transmute into uh men you know they retain all of their female organs and they need to be able to do that they will not be willing to take out these organs because part of this uh making them a protected class is so that they can protect the fallacy that males have wounds and males can have periods and males can bring forth life but the main idea is to you'll see more than often you'll find that the transgender uh people are mostly men becoming women but the women becoming men are necessary in order to maintain the idea that men have wombs, men have periods, and men can have babies. Now, the relation, uh, let's take a break. Uh, we're almost at the half hour mark, so let's take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and talk about the significance of the goat or the ram. We'll be right back. stop the recording to eat a whole meal so I have to go back a little to see where I was I was at mercury and the ram yes mercury and his relation to the ram now mercury was depicted as this male who was always surrounded by these female symbols uh, such as the uh, excuse me the staff uh, in particular the serpents around the staff and also the goat. And he was surrounded by these symbols because of course, Mercury was a thief. He represents, um, he was a goddess or the god of thieves or something because he tried to steal her identity. And the ancients considered the ram, which is the male sheep and the goat to be the same species. Even I don't know really the difference between the two. Uh, Like I said, the ram is a male goat Uh, Sorry, the ram is a male sheep, but uh, the goat also has like similar shaped horns. And in any event, uh, there's 
you know, it's highly likely that the ancients believed these two animals to be one and the same, or that the goat was just a different type of sheep, uh, ram, and the ram, you know, that it was easy to mix these two up. You know, we find the ram is the Aries in the zodiac, and the Capricorn, which is the father symbol, is the um, is the goat, and right so they are separated now but i i know that um it, i i believe that it might have been hard to tell the two apart and uh so <clears throat> the ram and the goat was often used interchangeably and the yang and the chinese yin yang represents masculine energy and yang means goat and the significance of the goat runs deep. This is how deep it runs because the Chinese and the Sumerian and the Egyptians and the Romans, the Greeks and everybody used this symbol to represent the male. But it actually represents the female. But not really. Well, it represents the male's ability to erase the female. Or to replace the female. So, in the story of the of Zeus in the Zeus mythos, it was said that as a baby, Zeus drank from the teat of a goat, and not from his mother. And this milk helped him to become very strong, and he was so strong that he broke the horn of this goat. And then from that horn, the, it poured out a bunch of fruit and all this other, whatever, right? Other provisions uh, poured out of the horn. And that horn today is nor, known as the horn of plenty or the cornucopia. And like I said, the masculine yang is also a goat. And the inverted pyramid that we talked about in the first segment or the baphomet is also the image of a goat or the goat head on top of the man and this idea of the god of all things the g-o-a-t or the greatest of all time you hear that a lot when we call um, people the goat he's the goat you know the greatest of all time we hear this goat a lot or in different folklore we hear about the fawn or the chimera or in egypt we have the kunum or other half goat half male deity these uh deities or images represent the idea that man can nourish baby or to sustain life without the need of a female because the goat was the first domesticated animal whose milk was used to nourish humans so they believe that it, you don't necessarily need a woman after she gives birth you can take the baby and nourish the baby without using the woman and this was just the first step in destroying her because now today as you see man can create life through in vitro he can take the eggs from a woman and combine it with the sperm uh, sperm of a man in vitro and create this human being without necessarily having to have sex or sexual intercourse with a woman so and then also now we're seeing um, artificial wombs being created. Even the incubator itself was a way to take the um, take babies out of the womb prematurely 
and put them into the incubator. Of course, you know, premature birth is a natural occurrence a lot of the time, but the creation of this incubator was also another form of technology that represented the idea that man can sustain life without the need of a female. And right, so now we're at a point where we're creating artificial wounds. You know, they haven't quite perfected it yet, but they're absolutely going there and we're getting also to the place where they're trying to create androids or biobots and other forms of using different forms of technology in order to replace the female completely and like i said it, this is a part of the reason why the transgender uh agenda or this transgender or gender fluid group has been created and protected it's so that they can uh continue to perpetuate this fallacy that life can exist without without the female and so in the previous podcast in podcast number eight i talked about the baphomet being the blueprint for the freemasons it's not uh it's not a deity that they idolize so much as it represents the steps that will be taken to destroy and to replace the female and this is where we see the male uh it's a man's body and the man's body has breasts and where the penis is you have the caduceus or the snake the two snakes spiraled snakes um and and this represents mercury and then he has the wings which represents power or free or freedom and this is freedom from the female and him having gained his power. And so the Knights Templar, which is the military branch of the Freemasons, they, they were set to worship this Baphomet, but they don't really worship it. Like I said, it it's something that they idolize because it's used to idolize the idea that the Baphomet represents the destruction of the female. And this goat is the first, um, it, let's say, idol or... Uh, item maybe that was used to represent the the replacing of the female with the male you know the goat to being used to nourish the babies means that they were able to replace the female they didn't need the female for that purpose so this brings me to why we need to be careful when dealing with white males and I've said many times that I would never discourage a black woman from being with a white male, but it's extremely dangerous to get involved with these men before coming into your own God power, before recognizing your own worth, your own value, and recognizing the fact that even they see your the value in you. You know, they're never going to tell you that. They're never going to treat you um, as something valuable because you don't see yourself as something valuable. You know, right now I've become this untouchable female. When I was a whore or when I worked in the sex industry, men treated me like what you would think a goddess or a queen or a princess. You know, they I, I never paid for anything. Um, they treated me like, you know, better than they treat me now. Now they won't even touch me. Now it's like... I don't have enough to give in order to get this woman. You know, what they could give me at the time, you know, little trips here and there, a little 
pieces of jewelry here and there, you know, free meals and hotels and these little things, you know, where they don't have to spend a lot of their money. And I talked about this in a previous video. I, I think it was the Level Up video. Uh, I should really write down the names of these videos, you know, Level Up Truths and Myths on YouTube, I think. Um, and I was talking about the levels to leveling up and how a lot of these men who, you know, they, they will buy this membership to these different, uh, clubs or whatever, and it doesn't cost them anything to have a guest there, but they take you there and you, because you don't understand your worth, you feel like what they're doing is giving you something valuable, but they're really just having you there as what we like to call a trophy or, you know, a piece of jewelry on their arm because they they have something valuable, but they never had to exchange anything of value to get you to be on their arm, you know, or to show you off, you know, a black woman is a, a piece of jewelry. You know, it is something valuable. And a lot of these men understand that to have a black woman on his arm is to be in possession of something valuable. But in Luciferian doctrine, they teach that you have to, people are, you can treat people the way they want to be treated or the way they deserve to be treated. So for example, if you don't value yourself, it, you know, and you're behaving in such a way that shows that, for example, uh, I'm going to use this as an example because it's a perfect example where black women are pretty much taking on the identity of the white female image that was created by the media. You know, it's not even this real image of the female. It's like this princess type image, you know, made up, dolled up uh, image of a woman the image of the female that the white man wanted the white female to be and black women are now taking on that image and are imitating that image and expecting that white men are going to respect that image and you know we feel a lot of the time you can get an average white male with that but you're not going to get really a man of value with that taking on that image a white man who goes with a black woman wants a black woman he doesn't want a black woman imitating a white woman there's a reason why the white male would choose a black woman is because he understands to some degree what power she holds other white men and these are the white men that a lot of the time most black women are getting believe in this idea that they're more superior to that black woman and like i said me as a woman now who has come into my god power you know, who, uh, who now I see myself as a God and I understand my value. Now these white men, they more, yeah, they'll get involved with me, but they, when, once they realize that I understand my worth, they'll start, um, withdrawing, you know, and distancing themselves. It's not going to last because they know the average white male, you know, middle income or middle class white male knows that he doesn't have enough money. You know, he, he can't afford me. But in the past, these middle class, upper middle class white men felt that they had enough money to afford me because at the time I didn't know my value. And so, like I was saying, the reason why I have to be careful with dealing with these men is because most white males, even though they are powerless, they have their perceived power or the way society looks at them lies in the fact that they represent a powerful group of elite. Like I was saying in the past um, podcast they act as a human shield to protect the so-called Aryan or Anunnaki bloodline. 
So let me just quickly talk about this Anunnaki because, you know, a lot of people are more willing to accept this alien race, you know, these reptilians or these magical alien people from another galaxy or wherever the hell they think they came from. You know, and this is just a made-up idea. It's a made-up Aryan race of supposedly red-headed, green-eyed, RH-negative extraterrestrials, you know, who came to Earth. You know, a lot of people say that um, the white race is not human, or you'll hear that they were created in a lab, or, you know, they are alien or fallen angels, or, you know, this is where the idea of the white man being a devil comes from, the idea that he's a fallen angel or, you know, he's a Luciferian because the Venus seemed to be, or seemed to have fallen from like the sun, you know, she wasn't a moon. She didn't seem to be a planet. She did uh, glow almost as bright as the sun, but she seemed to be or to appear to have fallen from the sun. So she was this fallen angel. And and this is the idea of where these Anunnaki come from. Like, so the idea of the Anunnaki was created um, <clears throat> to be the adversary of the black woman, pretty much, or the divine dark feminine. And certain so-called um, royal bloodlines said that they stemmed from this um, alien creature. Um, there is the guy called um, David Icke, who a lot of blacks will follow for some reason. Or, you know, they'll quote this guy and he claims to be one of them. This rep, he claims to be a reptilian. Um, the girl who I made a video about a little, oh, like maybe six years ago, um, called Teal Swan. She claims to be this alien that fell from the sky too. A lot of them want you to believe this idea. And that's why these ideas have been allowed to exist and circulate around the interwebs because they want to, um, perpetuate the idea that white people are not real that they're not human that there's something supernatural you know but it, it, this is not true you know it's uh, obviously their white is a genetic is a result of a genetic mutation so they do come from the black female it's just a mutation something went um Aside, I'm not going to say something went wrong because mutations are natural and normal. And this is where we get um, different races due to genetic, genetic mutation. And I believe it's a beautiful thing. And so that's where they come from. But they want people to believe that they're this majestic, you know, um, uh, uh, supernatural being. So they made up this whole thing and they now they want to talk about how the Rothschilds and the Astors and some of the uh, these British or European royal European bloodlines are supposedly um, descendants of these Anunnaki and of course you know if I were to make this up even when I talk about the idea of a black woman creating a new race of people a new generation of people people looked at me like I was crazy but these same people are willing to accept the idea that these delusional sociopaths come from a group of alien or alien race called the Anunnaki who you know they they're willing to believe that the 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 trust in the white man and this white race is so powerful that they're willing to believe that these people 
actually come from a royal bloodline. They acknowledge royal, um, royal families thinking that they come from something special and they look at these people like they're something special. But if I, as a black woman, tell you that you came from something special, you're the personification of something special. It, I've been ridiculed for saying that, you know, people were not ready to hear that information and black women were kind of like wanting to distance themselves from me. Nobody wanted to touch me uh, on YouTube because of the beliefs that I held in the dark feminine and its connection to the black woman. And it's not just that I believe that, because like I said, a lot of people talk about that. A lot of people believe that. But I believe it so much that I don't even believe in the power of white money. I don't believe in the power of marriages. I don't believe in any of what the system um, supposedly provides or that any of that is greater than myself. Now, I access it as a way to navigate this thing this system, but I don't worship it and worship, you know, the financial numbers or the digital numbers or, you know, these institutions the way a lot of other black women do. Black women will swear up and down about the dark goddess and dark feminine energy and the divine and all this, this and that. And then at the same time, they'll tell you, but you should marry a male, which is a demotion of your power. You should not be marrying a male. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. It's the male technically who should be trying to access your bloodline and trying to marry you you know and taking on your name and having his children take on your name and you know understanding the fact that you control his legacy but marriage is the exact opposite of that you know it inverts all that and it tells you that you know it's the male legacy and you give your ma your children the name of the man and you need to marry up to, you know, to practice hypergamy to marry up so that you can inherit all these things from a man. I'm like, are, are women crazy? Like, do you not understand that you are the, he's inheriting something from you that you're giving to him? And so he should be taking your name and your children should be taking your name. And it, when it's turned, you know, uh, it, right now it's inverted. The idea of marriage is a patriarchal concept that inverts the um, the natural inheritance or the natural legacy uh, of humans. We inherit from the mother. We do not inherit, inherit from the father. And so they created this idea of marriage so that they can secure their legacy. <laughs> okay? It, I, it's unreal that women, you know, can claim one thing and claim dark divine and all this other crap. And then at the same time, they'll try to feed you marriage. The two don't go together. If you understand your power, you cannot possibly believe in a, a patriarchal ideal such as that. You know, like I said, I do it to navigate. And I'm going to explain to you later on why you should also do it to navigate. But you should never, ever believe that you're inheriting something from the male or that any amount of digital currency or fiat currency is going to be anywhere equal or near equal to what you can leave for him, the type of legacy that you can give to him, okay? So the sooner you understand that, sooner black women understand that, the sooner we can get this thing back together. But, you know, I, I, the only way that this is going to get back to the divine source is that it has to come around full circle. 
Um, even the delusional sociopaths who want to create this whole Anunnaki Aryan race and they think they're important, even they realize that what goes around comes around and as above, so below, and that everything has its polar opposites and that the pendulum has to swing back the other way. And so they know that they, there is coming a time and they live in fear every day that there will come a time when their time will be up and the pendulum will swing the other way. Okay. Nobody knows when that time will be, but everything comes back around everything that they're doing, um, even to the point where they're creating uh, what is essentially going to be a new race of people. It's not going to be humans anymore. And anyway, let, let me say get um, to that in the right order. So let's get back to um, the Freemasons. They're associated with sacred geometry for two reasons. That is their desire to destroy or to hide the truth about the dark feminine principle, which is um, based on divine sacred geometry or universal geometry. And also the structures like the cathedrals and castles, um, the temples and vaults and you know, these structures where prehistoric arts, you know, and other proof of divine feminine is hidden or buried were constructed by actual stonemasons. So stonemasons would construct these buildings. And so the people who build the buildings, of course, have knowledge of the different vaults or the different hidden corners and the secrets, the underground secrets, you know of what exists. And so that's why the Freemasons kind of have uh, that power because they, they know where the bodies are buried, so to speak. Now these supposed uh, Freemasons, you know, these royal bloodlines, quote unquote, came from, uh, or right, they were these light beings, right? Who, they used or drank, they used the goddess and uh, there, there's actually a character that's called Starfire and she's this redheaded comic book character and this redheaded comic book character represents this Anunnaki image, okay? And these Anunnaki males used to drink the menstrual blood known as Starfire from the goddesses. It, it, now they say they drink it from the original source or from the goddess, but it's hard for me to understand whether or not they're drinking it from uh, Aryan females or if I'm correct in my hypothesis, I believe they drank it from the original source, which is black women. And they continue to do that today. And I'll tell you why a lot of black women and girls can go missing and can be abused and um, violated, murdered, and nobody says anything about it, okay? And it all relates to this, okay? Because these people not only drank menstrual blood to access divine feminine energy or what they believed uh, was a way to access it, you know, they also consumed the pineal gland, and they consume, they claim to consume the pineal gland of animals, okay? Um, but this is what you buy in the store. You might buy a pharmaceutical uh, grade 
melatonin. You know, a lot of people use this so that they can sleep at night. But um, what these people drink, these people from royal bloodlines, what they drink or what they consume is not going to be these artificial pharmaceuticals that they sell to the public. You know, pharmaceuticals are for regular people. These type of people drink straight from the source, okay, or eat straight from the source. So they eat human pineal gland and they eat the pineal gland of real children allegedly i'm gonna say that <laughs> i'm gonna definitely say allegedly whether i mean it or not allegedly they eat the pineal gland of little dark children because they believe that in the, well it is true and i talked about this in um melanin and the female sex um on YouTube, on the Melanin and the Female Sex um, playlist, you'll find a lot of the videos that relate to what I'm talking about now. And the pineal gland is considered condensed or reserved sunlight. It's the gland where that absorbs sunlight during the day and it acts as a natural battery. So at nighttime, it, we use these reserves you know, in the same way that we would use the sun in in the morning, the sun is our energy source. But at night, because the sun goes down, uh, you know, it, it's not as close to us. It's through the pineal gland that we access this uh, sunlight. And so at night, the pineal gland will secrete the hormone of darkness or will secrete melanin and uh, melatonin, excuse me, and secretes melatonin, melatonin, which activates melanin and it acts as a natural battery now the pineal gland does not produce melanin it produces melatonin and like i said melatonin will activate the melanin to move into the melanocytes but you know these you know these people will allow men like Tariq nasheed and other black supremacists or black uh, conscious whatevers to talk about melanin comes from the pineal gland and they talk all kinds of shit about melanin that they don't understand you know but they they're allowed to talk about these things and to talk about egypt and all this other crap right because it all ties into the white male agenda anyway and these these men they know that um that these black men are the biggest beggars and they're white phallic white phallic worshipers they though when we talk about patriarchy there there should be no reason whatsoever for why a black male would want to uphold a white male patriarchy it doesn't make any sense but these black men even though they want to claim you know black lives matter and they're you know we're they're claiming now today that they're turning you know they're pulling down statues and they're turning up and they're the ones you know destroying this thing and they're acting like they're actually controlling this thing i mean these men are so brainwashed it's insane and they a lot of them will call themselves conscious and they'll tell you you know why if you're not out there then you don't need to talk about this if you're not gonna you know riot and be destructive and participate in like this whole thing then you know, you, you need to like have a seat or stay in your lane or don't talk about it or whatever. And they're acting as if they're really controlling everything that's happening. But the, the white man is letting him take the lead. Okay. The, the black male has always been the white man's book. He, he's always been his, um, the creation of this man, his bot and, and his Nick bot, you know, as I call it in the I black woman's 
series. Even when I first talked about buck breaking on YouTube and I talked about the rape of black man and why the black man envies the relationship between black women and white men, the amount of hate and death threats and dislikes and negative energy that I got from not just black men, but black women, okay? For years, I got this negative feedback from that video. They told me that I was lying. Both black and white men said that I was lying about this. There's no way that black men was raped. I'm making this up. I'm a bed wench. I'm a this, that, and the other. And then when Tariq Nasheed decided that he was going to make a video about the buck breaking, then I had people coming back talking about how, how smart I am and thank you for the video and all that other shit. You know, that's why I'm not worried when I talk about certain things. I know that I'm way ahead of my time and that I'm my th way of thinking is way more advanced than black people on YouTube are ready for. So I'm not, I never ever expect, uh, there was a time when I did, but now I don't expect people to understand what I'm talking about. It's not going to be until years later, maybe even five years later, that even what I'm talking about today, people are going to understand. So I'm not even worried about it. I say what I say, and I always said that I like to say, I told you so. And I like to say, you know, you know, I said it. <laughs> so I, I'm not worried about convincing anyone um, to believe what I believe, because I know what is, you know, and I, it, people can believe whatever they want to believe, but, you know, they're not going to turn me. Anyway, so these people drink the menstrual blood and they eat the pineal gland, allegedly, of little black girls as a way to extract to true power, these so-called Anunnaki, okay? They believe in these blood rituals. And they believe that accessing blood from the source is a way to get the power of the source. Now, like I was saying, even though um, most average white males are not Masons, of course, and they don't belong to this made-up Anunnaki bloodline, they do believe that they are superior to all other races because they grew up in a system, the same system we grew up in, that, of course, indoctrinated them to believe that and belief is a very powerful drug it can even be a poison so let's take a break and let's talk about what this belief can do and how you can make it work for you we'll be right back something that happened some time ago and a lot of these stories obviously happened when I was working in the sex trade I was supposed to die in the sex trade uh, for many different reasons there were several different occasions where um, attempts were made on my life pretty much and every single time I made it out of it and so that's why I've always said that I have a karmic duty to share what I know about certain people with black women because if I don't, then I would have a karmic debt to pay. And through the internet, this is my way of doing that. 
you know, like sometimes people can make an apology in the newspaper or they put something in a newspaper to let you know, you know, something has been recalled or whatever. If you want to make a claim, blah, blah, blah. As long as they publish it, they've done their part. You know, it's up to you to accept it or not. Uh, you Like I said, you don't have to accept it. You can go around thinking that white men are so great and that you're practicing hypergamy and that you're leveling up and that, you know, you're you have a better social standing because of them. You can believe that if you want. You know, I, I don't need to make you believe in your power. I just have to tell you that you have that power and uh, tell you how they might use and abuse you. You know, whatever you do with that information, like I said, it's on you. You know, that is not my problem after that. My only duty, my only karmic duty is to share the information. I don't have a karmic duty to convince you to believe the information. So I'm dealing with this guy. And of course, this is a guy that I met at a strip club. And like I had shared in previous stories, it was difficult as a black woman to make money in the strip club or in the sex trade. It's like you had to do more than what a white woman do would do. A white woman could sit with a man and earn $300. And a black woman would have to go over and above, you know, just sitting to, to make money. And so a lot of the ways that I would make money is to go out and do private shows and private meetings and things like that, okay? And so I met this man, I met three men, and they were friends, and they came into the strip club at the same time. One was a dentist, one was an orthodontist, and one was a pharmacist. And these men would share me, and I was lucky for that because in the club, you know, I had the dentist, he would take dances and whatever, and I would make money from him just dancing. And also would the orthodontist make money from dancing, but with the pharmacist, I would go outside of the club. And he was giving me enough money that I would be able to... Um, pay all of my bills like it, it got to the point where even what I was making in the club for the week wouldn't compare to what he could have given me he could have provided everything for me to like pay my bills and so I became dependent on this guy now this guy was an Asian guy um, he was about 45 at the time and he was a father he was married to his high school sweetheart and he had two little girls and um he said, and I do believe him, that he said that he was a virgin. Like I said, he married his high school sweetheart and he hadn't had sex with anyone but her all his life until he met me. And so outside of the club, he would come to my place and I would, you know, we'd have private sessions. <laughs> we'll call it that. Okay. And this went on for a while until, until I got pregnant now, I had an abortion, and I told this story before, so it's not really a secret. So I had an abortion, and this is why, you know, I don't, I say I don't value um, white blood so much. Like, people think that, oh, black women value white men so much, they just want to have their babies and have good hair. And it's like, at that time, it's like, that wasn't even important to me. I didn't even understand the value of, like, um, inheritance at, at the time. So, you know, I had the abortion because I wanted to work in the strip club. And so after the abortion, I was feeling obviously sad and feeling something that I guess was sadness and depression at the time. Um, and so he would provide me with um, 
pharmaceuticals. He gave me Valium, Oxycontin, and Tylenols. And whatever I asked for, he would just give it to me. To the point that I became addicted to the opioid, to the Oxy. And I became a, a dependent, we'll say. I don't know, addicted, because I don't, obviously, I don't use pharmaceuticals anymore. I totally cut out even aspirins and Tylenols. I don't even use those. So at the time, I, I became dependent on these pharmaceuticals. And he would give me the pharmaceuticals, like, every time I needed a refill. So it would be like once every two weeks, like I was so addicted to it. I'm telling you, like I would actually come home from work at night and I would drink pills and go to sleep. I would sleep in throughout the day and then wake up and go to work and do it all over again. I'm stunned that I didn't die from this. And so he would continue the cycle. And at that point he had me under his control. He could pretty much... Uh, tell me where to be and when to be at any time. Now, this man, he owned a pharmaceutical company and this is how he was able to give me the pharmaceuticals because he would take the pills uh, out of these um, packets. Like he created a packet of, um, like, you know, the gums that you eat, like you pluck the gums out. So he created this thing where he, you would have pills inside of these plucking things. And so when a client would die or or uh, would pass, let's say, they would return the pills back. Or if they finished with the medicine or they needed to trade the medicine, they would give it back to him. And so what he would do, he would take the drugs from these dead patients or these unused pills, and he would pluck them out and put them into an unmarked pill bottle. And then he'd pass them to me. Now, like I said, I became dependent on it. And I would get to the point where I would demand it from him. Now, at the time, he was going through his company, there was a major pharmaceutical company in Canada that wanted to buy his um, company or merge with his company uh, or acquire it. Uh, you know, it's an, I think it's an, it's a, it was supposed to be a partnership of some sort. And the partnership, the pharmaceutical, the College of Pharmacists, in Ontario was also involved in this merger. They were one of the partners in it. So you had these big players involved in this thing. Um, at the time, his company made it to the Toronto Stock Exchange. And so he invited me over one night to celebrate this thing. You know, that was um, the first night that he said he was a millionaire and he was excited and blah, blah. And so we celebrated that. A few months later, that's when he told me about this merger. It was after um, he made it to the stock exchange it, that his company became public. So they're going to merge with this huge pharmaceutical company. It's like one of the top pharmaceutical companies uh, or providers in Canada. And so he's involved in this merger and he goes away to Calgary, um, which is on the west coast of Canada. So it's like I'm in Florida and he travels to California to like finalize this deal and whatever to talk about it. And um, during that time, I run out of pills. Okay. And so I'm angry at him, you know, and I'm so stupid and drugged up that I'm thinking that I'm in love with this guy and he left me and he left me without my pills and, you know, stupid, stupid girl stuff. I'm 21 at the time. I'm really young. Uh, no, 20. I was 21 when I met him and I was about 24 when this happened. 23, 24. 
So, um, he, when he gets back, he says, um, he's having issues with whether or not he should continue giving me the pills, which is, is a normal human reaction. One night he comes into the club and he has pills for me, but it's not the pills that I asked for. The pills he has for me is Ritalin and morphine. And he tells me that I should take them together. <laughs> and so, and, and he's telling me to take it now at the club. I didn't take it. I, I think I tried the morphine. And like I said, I was, I'm a stupid girl. Okay. I'm a stupid girl. Anyway, we're in the club. We're in a VIP area. There are two VIP areas. There's a VIP for the regular people. And then there's a VIP for the higher end clients. Okay. And so we go into this uh, VIP area and I pass out. Okay. Obviously from pills. And I didn't wake up until the end of the night where he's trying to wake me up. And he's just sitting there. And then he pays me for all of the time that we spent in the VIP area. But he had me sitting there for almost like for the whole night, pretty much. I spent the whole entire night in this VIP pass out. He didn't get up. He didn't ask anybody for any, ask anybody for any help. He didn't say anything. And he's just sitting there with me. And I'm thinking, like, come to think of it later on, like hindsight is twenty twenty. this guy was trying to suicide me. I, I never ended up taking the morphine. What I did instead was I snitched. <laughs> this is so bad. It, you know, it, it's bad, but, you know, I have no loyalties to this man. You know, he was trying to suicide me. And this is what I'm going to try. Uh, this is the warning I'm going to offer to you when it comes to men with money because they don't play. And, and black women think that they can hypergamy their way up, you know, and get somewhere when they're dealing with these men. And you think you're smarter than these men. You are not. Okay. You need to learn and understand these men before you think you can get into bed with them and start playing these stupid games. Okay. Because these men can be deadly when they're ready to protect their assets and their legacy. And so he's, I, he allegedly, okay, did this because I took this and I reported him to the college of uh, pharmacists and the college calls me to investigate and they call my sister and my best friend and a few other people to get um, all of the facts together. And they asked me about the facts and they also asked me to give them the pill bottles. At that time, I had saved about like 10, 12 pill bottles, you know, empty pill bottles. Um, and, and they told me that I should hand it over to them, but I didn't hand it over because I didn't know what they were going to do with it. So because I didn't hand over the pill bottles now, they said they didn't have enough evidence to do anything. It later turns out that they were involved in this um, merger or acquisition. Okay, whatever. I don't remember what it was. Um, so it later comes out that they're involved with him. And if they had learned that this guy was had taken uh, drugs, put it into unmarked pill bottles and was giving it away to some stripper, the deal would have fallen through and everybody would have lost. OK, so this was a big thing that I was involved with and I didn't even understand the depth of it. OK, so I was in over my head playing silly games with powerful men being stupid okay he says to me he gives me $2,500 and he says you know why you're never gonna win he says it, it, he said because I have more money than you 
and this is a Chinese man okay talking like a, a an elite white male he's a white-skinned Chinese man of course but you know he has that mentality that he's he's more powerful than me he has the backing of companies more powerful than me and I was not gonna win what is the moral of this story I keep sharing these stories and I keep exposing these men and what is the point what am I trying to do well for the there are several reasons the first reason is because black women have this bad habit of blaming the victim to protect the dick and it's a sign of desperation it's as if black women feel like they need to do it um, because if they stop doing it, if they stop defending these men and stop blaming other black women or when other women in general, then these men are not going to protect them. They're never going to be protected and respected by these males. So they feel like they're left with no choice other than to protect these men. And for I just want to see how long that's going to keep going on. You know, how many things do you have to say to them before they finally snap, snap out of it and realize that they're going to be treated the way they treat themselves. As long as you, as long as men know that black women are going to be willing to protect them and go against other black women, you know, and bow down to them, they don't have to do anything. And it's the same way how black people are treated in general by these elite white male. And whether um, this Asian guy or, you know, the average white male believes himself to be a Anunnaki or, you know, come from a royal bloodline or it, whether they're elite white male or not, they all follow the ideals and ideologies of elite white men who believe themselves to be uh, something, you know, supernatural. And these men follow a uh, these elite white males. They follow the Luciferian doctrine, which says that you're a you are allowed to treat people cruelly. You're allowed to treat people the same way they behave towards each other or the way they treat themselves. And so, when black people treat themselves with total disrespect, and when you know they don't love each other and they don't uh, respect each other, people are allowed to treat them like shit and so black people are being treated the way they want to be treated okay so especially black women and so i tell the stories uh, i share my stories for that reason uh, partly because i want to say i told you so and also because uh my secrets are not safe with these men okay and they need to know that i'm not like these black women who um not that they will know, but they need to know that there are black women out there who are not like these black women, not me in particular, but uh, that we, we don't or we won't give our loyalty blindly to these men. You know, you give loyalty when you start getting loyalty. And if these white males don't treat black women with uh, loyalty and respect, then I don't need to do that either. I don't need to guard their secrets. I, I owe them no loyalty. And also, not all black women are submissive, like I said, who have low self-worth and who are willing to bow down to them for a perceived higher social standing. You know, I don't view their fiat currency as more valuable than I view myself. And so I, it's why I can't wrap my head around this idea of per hypergamy, because I don't feel there's anything else to level up to. Black woman is the, the highest level that you can reach. And so they should be giving up a little bit of um, faith fiat currency even to get access to the black woman 
But and uh, the last reason is that this particular story is one of an Asian man. I've already talked about um, the white male and different types of white males, Jewish white men, just average, you know, uh, Europeans and Arabs. And I don't think I've actually told a story about an Asian. And this particular Asian male was um, he was a white Asian from China. And, you know, he's wealthy. And like I said, he was married and you know this upstanding citizen who was who is the owner of a publicly traded company and even though a lot of black women say you know you were a stripper and your experiences are not the same as ours and these men treated you the way they treated you because you were what you were but like i said a lot of these men did treat me like a princess you know i wasn't treated badly i was treated very well i was wined and dined you know and these men are very good at doing that. They're very good at playing the long game, at convincing you of something, that they are the good guys. And um, and so that, that reasoning doesn't hold water. But again, black women have this bad habit of blaming the victim. And so no matter what I say, it's always going to come down to, well, you were this. And so that's why they did that to you. You know, they will never, ever, ever blame the man. The, even though he's trying to destroy them, they're they're never ever going to see that, and they're never going to blame him. So, also the moral of the story is it's a lot that comes out of it, and um, you know I could go on and on and on. But the also the moral of the story ties back into what I was saying about these people and um, what lengths they would go to to protect their legacy. They will be willing to suicide you or to dead you, or take your babies from you when they divorce you, just to protect their legacy. You know, when we talk about uh, leveling up, marrying up, hypergamy, and getting access to wealthier men, we don't think about the mindset of these men. And we're thinking that all we have to do is marry them as if they follow laws. That In our head, because we follow laws, because we're good submissive little slaves, we're thinking that they operate in the same way we do. These men don't have to do that. You know, like I said, they play the long con. They will do little things throughout the marriage to make you look like you're crazy. They will encourage you to go see a psychiatrist or a therapist. They will encourage you to take pills and make you look like if anything were to go wrong, they have the proof to show that you were not a stable person and will get access to your children that way and will protect their legacy that way. Okay, so it's not as easy as saying, well, I'm going to level up to get access to, you know, a higher social standing of whatever, you know, because you're not thinking of how easily it will be for these men to destroy you. And that's part of the reason why this it's part of the reason why this whole idea of um, hypergamy has been allowed to uh, uh, get into the the word hypergamy has been allowed to get into the lexicon of the black woman. You know, who most black women online are not highly educated black women. We'll say that a lot of the women who follow this whole um, level up uh, black femininity um, hypergamy thing are not educated, um, smart, and just even streetwise black women. They are 
you know, I'm not going to make I'm not going to make any judgments, but they are easily manipulated and I'll leave it at that. And so no matter the race of the man, he's going to treat these women as if they're inferior, even if he knows her power, even if he re recognizes her to be the source of life and the personification of that um, cosmological constant. His pride and his arrogance and envy will not allow him to admit that. He's always going to treat her the way she wants to be treated. As long as she looks up to him and feels like she's leveling up to him, as long as she sees him as something more valuable than she is, he's going to treat her that way. And it's part of the plan. And uh, of course, the plan is based on his, his arrogance and his envy of the black female and the need to destroy her. And so a lot of the time, you're not getting love in, in these relationships. It's just control of the source. And the control for a lot of black women, it looks like love when white men are possessive or men in general are possessive of them. And when they wine and dine and make what seems to be an investment, when men spend their digital currency, their fiat currency, we feel like that's an investment. Again, it's really in nothing because it doesn't really take much to get a black woman. Um, as long as, you know, you can invite her, they can invite her into their own home. They don't have to put her name on the mortgage. They don't have to include her really in anything or transfer any real wealth to her, you know, because of course she depends on the law. She thinks that as long as she gets a divorce, then they're going to go buy the books and she's easily going to collect her money at the end of it. But I've said many times before that it takes a lot of money to divorce a wealthy man. And a lot of the times these black women, especially if you're leveling up and you're coming from nothing, you're not going to have the kind of money that it takes to get money from these men. We follow the, what the celebrities are doing. We think that because the celebrities have done it and the celebrities made their money that uh, we can do it too. But the celebrities are in a different kind of contract. And so what they do doesn't really apply to us. So these men are mostly just taking advantage, uh, advantage of the ignorance of these black women. And when you're with them, they know that they don't really even have to have anything. You know, a lot of the uh, middle-class men, they just have to be with you. And it makes them appear to be more richer because if he sees, if people see him with a black woman, they assume, oh, she's with him because he has money, you know, and she's with him because he has a bigger dick. Like they just assume these things about him, assuming that he's more powerful just by virtue of him being with a, a black woman. Like I said, these men are very good at magic. They are very good at playing make-believe and they're very good at playing the long game. They're very patient. They always have a plan. They always look forward um, into the future generations ahead. And black women and black people in general have a tendency not to do that. We think about now. We want to get money now. We live our lives based on what we see in the media and um, you know, what we see, like I said, what we see celebrities doing. You know, the reason why this continues to happen to black women, why black women continue to be mistreated and why black females, including young girls, will continue to be abused and murdered, kidnapped, uh, sold, 
disgraced in the media um, is because without the devaluation of Black women in general and Black females in general, then there will be no more easy access for elite white people to go in and get easy access to the blood of young Black girls. You know, right now, while everyone is looking to America and looking at racial injustices, there are actually racial injustices happening in the midst of the chaos. As we've already seen it, Black women are being terrorized and abused, murdered and assaulted by Black males and even by other Black women who are dick begging for these Black men. And then out in um, third world countries and in parts of Africa and uh, the Caribbean in South America, there are black women who are being taken and girls who are being taken advantage of, who are literally being kidnapped right under our noses. And we don't know um, what's going on because, you know, because of the sleight of hand I was talking about, because we're busy watching something else. So we're watching what the media is putting out and we're focusing all of our energy there. Meanwhile, they are literally uh, sucking the energy out of um, countries like Africa, quite literally doing that. Now, of course, you've noticed that during this whole protesting thing over the last few weeks, we've seen black men actually praising white women for going out on the front line and uh, marching for them and protesting for them and, you know, going on yelling for them, helping them riot. And uh, they don't say about these white women that these white women are masculine and loud and angry and that they're emasculating them by being out there and they're acting like men. You won't hear them saying that about these white females. You'll hear the opposite, that the white women are being supportive. But when it comes to black women, that's what black women are getting. Why are they out there marching and acting so masculine? Black women have heard this for centuries. And it's funny that the angry white women who are out there now are not being called angry white women. The the funny thing is, though, while these black men are, you know, basking in all that, you know, white glory of the white female, you know, they're loving this. They don't realize that these white women who are out there have been manipulated to be out there by elite white men who are willing to trade a white woman for uh, for black females. You know, they're willing to put those white women out on the front line because these black black men are going to be distracted by those black women. They've always used this tactic. They've always used white women to get the attention of black men because black men feel like if they can access a white woman, then that's enough. You know, they've done enough. They've shown this all throughout history. And it's because black men fear and envy the white man. They fear and envy the white man, not just because he's raped them, like I've already talked about. Um, it's because, it, you know, I'm programmed them. It's because he, the white man had finessed the black man out of his, um, out of his patriarchy. Like I said, they, the first person to want to destroy the black female was a black man. And, you know, the black man ended up thinking that he can partner up with the white man. He invited him in thinking that he, the white man would help him turn against the black female. I was watching this um, video by some, a former Russian spy or something that YouTube had recommended about subversion and how it's only able to happen to those who want it, to those who invite it in. 
And we hear the stories all the time about all these white men riding their horses into Africa and then brutalizing and kidnapping and ravaging the different countries and different tribes out there. And that's how slavery happened. But that's not quite how it happened. You can just look no further than what's happening today. And you'll see that the, the black men have always held the same mindset. They've always um, believed in patriarchy. They've always wanted to uphold the, a system of patriarchy, and they were finessed by the white male to trade the black females so that they can get something from the white man. That's how it's happening today, and that's how it has always happened. And more than likely, the white men used uh, white women to kind of subdue the black man. This happened with the Moors. They were not motivated to conquer Europe beyond Spain and Italy, you know, because they had no, there was no motivating factor to do that. They had already gotten access to the white woman and because they think that's the prize, then they were not motivated to do any more than that. They got access to the white woman and so they felt they had won something. Black men do not have any issue with the system itself. The only issue they have with it is how they're treated within it. They, they're okay to be ruled by white men. They're okay if white men continue to be at the top. All they want is a little respect. All they want is for the white man not to beat him. All they want is access to the white woman and to be involved in their sport. Even now with all of this happening, there's this conversation happening about whether the NBA should come back. And there are some players talking about... Um, not wanting to come back. And, you know, the NFL, uh, the uh, football league has already apologized for the way they dealt with racism within the organization and whatever. And that's all they have to do. And once the season restarts again, black men are going to be running out there in droves to go watch these sports. You know, every black man who has ever been arrested has shown his um, his penis and his butthole to white men. Every black man who has ever been involved in these homoerotic sport have shown their penis and their butthole to their coaches, to mostly to white coaches and other white players around them. You know, uh, most um, black male celebrities, when they get involved in that world, they have to show their penis and their butthole you know, to these execs and, and do w whatever kind of dirty they need to do to get into that industry. Okay. The point of that is, is that they are always going to be willing to do that. When a black man goes into the prison industrial complex, it's because he was chasing the white man's money. It's because he did something, robbed somebody, um, committed some kind of um, fraud or he he wanted to kill somebody. He joined some gang because he wanted to be a part of this whole patriarchal system. Sometimes men are jumped into gangs and they have to um, get in either by blood or through sex ritual. And a lot of men are sex in. People don't talk about that, but they get into these groups um, be through sexual abuse. And, and molestation okay and and so this is all part of a patriarchal system whether you're talking about the gang system or 
you know, sometimes you'll have uh, the ones who are the bookworms, you know, they go into, they are accepted into these Ivy League schools, you know, and a lot of the time there are sex rituals that happen there. If you join a fraternity, there are sex rituals that happen there. And black men love to be a part of that. They want to be a part of that. They love the white male patriarchy and the white male brotherhood, and they want to be part of their secret societies. They just want to be in. The only thing that upsets them is that they're not accepted. What upsets them is that they're not accepted by white males. But if white men were to give them a little bit of acceptance and treat them a little better, you know, kiss their feet, kiss their ass, then they would be fine and they would turn on the black woman in a second, you know, just to be a part of the white man's shit. But like I said, these men who hold on to a Luciferian ideology will always treat the black man the way he treats himself and the way he treats uh, black women. So these, uh, supposed alien people, I'm going to wrap it up by saying that this alien race, this supposed Anunnaki royal bloodline, they want to merge with the source. And the reason that they want to do that is because as a result of mixing with the black female and remember they don't have to have sex necessarily with the black female to do that they just have to create the the illusion that more white males are merging with black women and they can do that through the media meanwhile they can go into a lab and do gene splicing and shit okay so the end result would be that they would make the lie about the Anunnaki true. The offspring will have come from a royal bloodline, the black female bloodline, and through race mixing, um, gene manipulation, technological intervention, they can create that red-headed, fair-skinned, green-eyed alien thing that they were talking about. And because they're already going up into space, then people can feel like you know, generations from now, when these people come down from space, you know, they can talk about they were the Anunnaki. And um, the this is why it's the whole thing with Meghan Markle and Harry um, was significant is because Harry represents this redheaded thing, you know, and merging with this royal bloodline. They're, they're showing you, they're telling you exactly what they're ready to do, you know, and it's already happening, you know, they're already going into space. Sometimes I look out and I can't tell, you know, what I'm looking at. I can't tell uh, if um, the stars I'm looking at in the sky are actually stars or if they're artificial satellites, you know, part of this artificial satellite constellation that these men are putting up there. We don't know. A lot of um, the time when I think about what's happening with the planets and how the planets are aligning, a lot of it is manipulated by the same people who created the calendar. There's a reason why um, certain dates will fall at um, or coincide with certain celestial events. And that's because these men ma manipulated the calendar so that they, they can happen that way. And they are obsessed with the numbers and they know how to manipulate uh, the numbers. And so what we think we're looking at it's what they've created, but they're not looking at the same. We're not living in the same reality. And that's how ignorant and, and blind a lot of us are. So eventually when they do get what they want 
and they merge bloodlines, they merge with technology, and they transcend the human form like the wings of the Baphomet tell us that they wanted to do. They're finally going to transcend beyond the human form and they will finally no longer need, or so they think, the, the, the female, the black female. But like I said, that cosmological constant, that thing out there in the universe is a melanic feminine force and there is no escaping it, not even for them. So that is going to be it for season one of the Female Sex Podcast. Thank you for being here and please feel free to leave messages for me here throughout the summer and we'll add them to the podcast for to future podcasts in the fall. Have a wonderful, wonderful summer. And I'll be seeing you around the internets.